Hello, so what we're going to do now is talk about how and why the USA achieved prosperity in the 1920s. And my aim here is just talk to you through the various key issues, the key bits of knowledge you might need, that if you know these things, you're going to do well in your exam. Alright? So the USA, at the beginning of the 1900s, was known as a melting pot. And it was called this because of the large number of immigrants it had attracted, and it had always really attracted. They'd all mixed together. That, that's the term melting pot. However, attitudes were starting to change. Um, Woodrow Wilson was the American president in 19, well, 1916-1917. Uh, he was a Democrat, all right, and he actually believed that America should be involved in the world and involved in world affairs. Okay, and as thus, he let he uh, he he got the USA to enter World War One in 1917. So the USA now sent troops to Europe to fight against the German forces there. Um, we've been prompted to do this because the Germans had started to use what was called unrestricted submarine warfare. That is, that they were torpedoing and sinking American ships uh, to stop the Americans supplying Britain and France. Um, now, the Americans fought in the war. Obviously, they eventually won the war. But uh, American public opinion at the end felt that the Americans had gone to Europe and died that this sacrifice hadn't been worth it. All right? What had America got out of that? All right? And as such, even though the League of Nations was the idea of Woodrow Wilson, uh, in fact, the US Senate refused to allow uh, America to join the League of Nations in 1920. All right? and this reflected a growing belief in what was called isolationism. This idea that America should stay out of the rest of the world's affairs um, and this was reflected in lots of different ways. You had, in 1920, the election of Warren Harding. Now, Warren Harding uh, was a Republican president, and he uh, believed in what, what he, he said that America should return to normalcy. This was a change against what uh, Woodrow Wilson had been talking about, but what he was doing, Warren Harding was saying, let's go back to how it was before the war, before America was involved in the rest of the world. All right? Now, this isolationism took on several forms, but part of it was economic isolationism. And as such, uh, in 1922, there was the passing of the Fordney-McCumber Tariff. Now, the Fordney-McCumber Tariff was a tax on all foreign-made goods coming into the USA to make foreign goods more expensive to encourage American industry at home. But the side effects of this was that all European countries started to put tariffs on American goods, with therefore meaning it was harder for America to sell abroad. That didn't matter too much at the beginning of the 1920s, but would become a problem later on, and particularly in the 1930s. All right? Um, so that's, in effect, different types of isolationism, all right? And this move against immigration and move against foreign goods and just having any part in the world. Um, but you've also got what happened to America to achieve prosperity. You had um, Henry Ford... Uh, pioneered the use of mass production. All right. Now, mass production had been in invented before Henry Ford, but it was him and his company that really used it efficiently in order to start making a lot of cars. Because they were making so many, they were able to keep costs down low, and the car became much more affordable. And the car industry really boomed. So much so, but by the 1920s, 4 million people were directly employed in the motor industry. This had a knock-on effect. Other industries started to boom. Things like metal, rubber, 
glass, things that you needed in cars. But also new industries like electricity started to expand. It went from being something that was not really found outside of cities to throughout the USA. You had construction, huge building projects undertaken as these industries really started going. You also had in the 1920s advertising started to become much, much more prominent. All right, And this was used to help sell consumer goods, things for ordinary people to buy. So for the first time, people were really being encouraged to go out and buy hoovers, washing machines, maybe radios. The idea being this would improve your quality of life. All right, Catalogues meant that people in rural areas could also buy these things. They didn't need to have to travel into town. So catalogues helped spread capitalism further into the countryside. All right? So much so that this was a real boom time for, for business. And by the, uh, the end of the 1920s, 200, the 200 largest corporations owned 20% of all the wealth in the USA. They had 40% of the business wealth. All right? Another factor that helped power the boom was higher purchase. All right? Higher purchase basically means credit. So you could say, right, I can't afford all of this car, but I can afford 10% of it now, and I will pay you 10% each month for the next 10 months, and then I'll also pay a fee on top of that, uh, because, and that's, that's how higher purchase worked. That allowed more people to buy more things, and also because you paid a fee for gaining this credit, it meant that, you went, that companies made even bigger profits. All right? Companies were making so many profits that on average their share prices rose by 300% in the 1920s alone. Okay? Now, so many people wanted to be a part of this that people started buying shares even if they couldn't really afford it. Um, you could go to your bank and your bank would lend you 90% of the cost of loan of the shares that you wanted to buy. This was called buying shares on the margin. The hope being that you would borrow all this money to buy them, so you need 10% of the cost of the shares, you would make a profit, sell the shares back again, you could repay your loan very quickly, and you kept whatever was left. All right, Banks were willing to do this, but they would take the deeds to your house as collateral to hold uh, while they were lending you all this cash. That would become really important in the late 1920s. Okay, The Republican governments that ruled throughout the 1920s and into the early 1930s during this time strongly encouraged this uh, sort of free market speculation in the stock market. All right? They believe in something called laissez-faire. This means leave alone, where the government has little to do with regulation, imposes few laws, few rules on banks, on companies, all right? and they believed that that the government should have very little to do with individuals' lives, and instead, whether or not your success was determined by something called the, they called rugged individualism. That means if you worked hard, you would become rich. Right? It didn't matter what you got or were given; you just need to work hard. Other aspects of the boom, where well, we see an in, uh, a real uptake in uh, things like jazz music, for example, Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, exam- examples of two famous jazz musicians um, helped by radio radio really popularised this new type of music and also meant that the fact that Louis Armstrong Duke Ellington were black wasn't necessarily recognised so they could sell records to a larger white record buying public Um, you have because people have got more leisure time they've got more money and they've got cars that allow them to travel you've got a boom in organised activities primarily things like sport so for the first time you have money going into things like baseball American football uh, to a lesser degree basketball at the time alright um, the Charleston tango the black bottom uh, cheeky these are all new types of dances alright as you have people going to clubs en masse for the first time um, 1927 
1927, Charles Lindbergh becomes famous for being the first man to fly solo across, across the Atlantic. All right, this is seen as a time, and people are fascinated by this. All right, the radio allows people to follow his progress, and, and he becomes a huge star because people are interested in these amazing exploits. Um, cinema, though, is the big, big one at the time. All right, by 1929, 110 million people are going to the cinema a week. All right, they go to see the silent stars like Rudolph Valentino, Handsome Man, uh, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, the sort of comedy stars of the day. Cinema, largely based in the LA suburb of Hollywood, of course, then as now, becomes this huge thing. All right, 1927 sees though the first little change to that. You have the release of The Jazz Singer. The Jazz Singer is the first talking film. All right, some of the silent stars don't transition from uh, silent film to talking film. Anyway. If you feel that you can, you know all that, you can remember all that, I know I talk quite fast, but pause it, break it down, get it down, get that into your head, how and why did the USA achieve prosperity in the 1920s, then what that means, you're going to do really well in your exam. <laughs>